0: just a, a, a subject matter he's a person. And when you're knowing a person, there's a lot to know. Uh, and so that, that takes time. Uh, I wanna focus on a couple of things today. Uh, first off, I wanna show you something. Uh, this is a Bible my uncle gave me in 1975. I was Eight years old, if my math is right, okay, or seven or eight. So you might have been 75, 76. I had myself being eight, so you do the math. I'd have to be 76. Um, This is a new international version of the Bible. Uh, Before this translation of the Bible came out, uh, most translations were very difficult to read. It was King James Version. uh, They were... It's very stiff and hard to read, they are ancient. I mean, the King James Version uh, was written in 1611, you know, so we don't talk like that much anymore. And to me, the jump in understanding went from like, the difference between your flip phones to your smartphone. It just, the whole world opened up to me to read the Bible in a way that I can understand it. And for whatever reason, uh, and my, my father sat me down after my uncle gave me that gift. And uh, just sat me down one night. We read through the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And he said, son, I want you to read this every day. And you know, there's, as parents, there's things that we tell our kids. And most of what we tell them doesn't stick. Like, you know, it just doesn't. We have to keep repeating it over and over again, right? You know, And that one stuck. He told me one time. And for whatever reason, God put it on my heart to enjoy his word. And so I read, I was a geek, man. I was a little eight, nine, ten-year-old Bible nerd reading his Bible every night before he went to bed. Multiple chapters. I did it all through my teen years. God set me up for the calling God out of my life. Uh, it, it was a great gift. Um, I don't carry this Bible around, though. That sits on my shelf. I don't have to carry it around because now the gift is inside. And uh, this is what the, I want to leave you with today about the Holy Spirit, that he is a gift for you that is inside of you. You carry him around. Um, mm-hmm. Jesus said this, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. In Greek, this word's paraclete. That means nothing to you. It really doesn't mean a whole lot to me either, but we'll talk about it anyway. Uh, He will will give you another counselor or paraclete who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it is isn't looking for him. And doesn't recognize it. But you do. Because he lives with you now. And later will be in you. No I will not abandon you. As orphans. I will come to you. In just a little while. The world will not see me again. But you will. For I will live again. And you will too. A great uh, forerunner of the resurrection. Though not with us. Jesus has left us a gift. We aren't orphans. We have parents, we have a father in heaven, uh, we have someone watching over us, and this gift is inside of us, and so no matter where we go, we carry him with us. Jesus has left us the gift, and he is the Holy Spirit. Now, like kind of like pouring a glass of water into beautiful crystal, the Holy Spirit's presence is poured into humanity. Now, this translation is going to call him a counselor. And we use that, looked at that word, paraclete. And what's that word mean? There's two meanings of it I want to focus on today. Uh, the first one is comforter. And the second one is convincer. And uh, let, me, let me open that up a bit. Um, let's look at comforter. Yes, we have problems today my, mm-hmm. the mic's down. Exciting. Do you know what this is? That's Clash's blanket. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's not. not. No, it's, it's not. not. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> he likes it. i <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. All right, what's this? Red comforter. Red Sox, Red Sox blanket, blanket. Red Sox blankie. Yep. It's a... Comforter. 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 Now, this would be a lot more meaningful if the air conditioner was even a little higher in here today. You might want this blankie, okay? But yeah. um, when it's cold and it's in the wintertime and you worked hard, you come home at the end of the day and uh, you're sitting on your couch in the evening, you throw in a little Netflix and you get out the blankie, Right. And you put the blankie over you. What is that like for you? It's comfortable. It's relaxing. It's snuggly. What'd you say? Soothing. Soothing. Yes. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Um, hopefully, you're not going to look at your bedding the same way ever again. Um, the Holy Spirit is uh, this thing that. A feeling of warmth and relaxation uh, when we feel alone he reminds us we're not alone um, well I had several interactions with folks yesterday morning uh, I, had a, uh, I had a rough Friday and, and some of that fog was still with me on Saturday morning and I went to where we all go when we are out on Saturday morning I went to Honeydew or Duncan I went to get coffee and I'm in line at, at the counter and I look past the register where the little drive-in window is and there my friend Jamie is, who works with me down at uh, the Genesis Project and she was right there and I waved to her and she waved back at me. It was just odd to see someone through the building that way while she was ordering coffee at the same time. Uh, I had a great conversation with Ed last night at dinner and uh, we, were, we were honoring uh, Nadeja's graduation And a bunch of old friends were together. And there's just something about getting to eat with old friends. And it's so comforting. So meaningful. Saw a lot of interaction here yesterday uh, at uh, uh, the block party. There's a comfort from the Holy Spirit. I had an appointment from the Holy Spirit last Friday. I got a call from my friend Aaron Etheridge in Nashville. He said, Bruce, can you pick up a friend of ours from Kenya named Anthony? Anthony at the airport in Boston. And I'm like, Aaron, why do you need me to pick up your friend from Kenya uh, in Boston? He says, well, his brother, he's just passed away in Boston unexpectedly. He has to go and retrieve the body and bring it back to Kenya, but he's never, he doesn't know Boston, doesn't know anyone there. Could you help him? I just got back into Boston late Thursday night for my trip to Seattle. It was just come off a seven hour flight. Okay, let me get back in my car the very next morning and drive back to the airport. And I'm like, who can I pawn this off on? You know, uh, I knew Caleb was busy. But so uh, and um, uh, those names that came to my mind didn't really work out. And so I went because there was no one else to go. The Holy Spirit, man, he had an appointment for me that day. Anthony and I for the next six hours walked around Boston and had spiritual conversations and prayer and interaction and we did so much stuff I can't even tell you that um, Was amazing from a conversation with a Bulgarian banker to a a Christian We met at the Sprint store to a spiritual conversation. We would have with detectives at the police station that night Um, uh, The comfort of the Holy Spirit was with me all day long. It was intense wasn't just like a blanket for a little bit. It was all day. It was amazing. It was like having a third person with us. I want that in my life. More than just on occasion. I want the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Um, we want his comfort. Um, we are used, uh, though, to the comfort of the world in many ways. Um, Jesus says this if you love me obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor or comforter who will never leave you he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth the world at large can't receive him because it isn't looking for him it doesn't recognize him but you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you no, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I am leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace of mind and heart. But Jesus alludes to another kind of peace. There's a peace that the world gives. There is, the world does offer peace. It's out there. There are ways to acquire peace from the world. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. There are other kinds of spirits that can give you peace, right? There are liquid spirits, right, that can give you peace. Temporary, but it's there. There's peacefulness there, right? Um, there's a peace that we can have in this kind of I don't know, I'll call it just a general um, a general sense of encouragement that we give to each other. Like I might I've even said this to people like Uh, I got this thing coming up next week. I'm a little nervous about it. And they're like, oh, Bruce, you got this. You got this. See, that's the peace the world gives. You got this. I got to be honest with you. You know what I hear when you tell me I got this? What I hear you saying to me is, Bruce, you just need to have a little self-confidence. You're you're just doubting yourself. You just need to have a little self-confidence. Well, I am going to tell you, there's some times where I've come through on things that were big projects just fine. There are other times that I have not come through just fine where I was not the best preacher or the best leader or the best counselor or the best listener or the best strategist to help someone out with a problem in their life. I don't need a peace the world gives. I don't need a counsel that the world gives. I don't want to hear, Bruce, you got this. I want to hear, Bruce, God has got this. All right, God has got I don't. I don't need Bruce. I don't. I don't need a sense of oh, I did that. Woohoo! Look at me. You know. I don't need an inflated ego. That doesn't help me. All right. I need the strength and wisdom of God, and that is what His Holy Spirit is for. Um, but many times we prefer the peace of the world over the peace of God. There, there's a new phrase now that that I don't think was around when I was growing up. Um, We have this category of food called comfort food, right? I didn't hear that growing up, but that's a new thing. I don't know how old is it. I don't know, right? It's like 10, 20 years old. I don't know. But like what's comfort food? What is it? Give me some examples. Mac and cheese, man. Mac and cheese. Mashed potatoes. Huh? Meatloaf. Man, okay. Wow. Okay, that doesn't make my comfort food list, but uh, we're an open church. We uh, we recognize a lot of different opinions. That's so fine. <laughs> what else? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah, all that. So now, what do we mean? That, how, how are those foods comforting? You feel good. You just feel good. You just they just they they relax you. You're not stressed out anymore anymore. Um. They satisfy. They satisfy. Yes. Favorite times in the family. When grandma used to cook, yes. right? Yes, okay, right. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with comfort food. That's great. It's a gift of God. Uh, and the world might say to us, hey, look, what's wrong with peace through food or comfort through pharmaceuticals or comfort through spirits? What's the matter with that? Well, nothing is a matter. It's just insufficient. It only lasts, it's very temporary. Mac and cheese is not keeping anyone out of the psychological hospital. It's not keeping anyone off antidepressants. It's very temporary. Uh, what is more comforting though than a nudge the Holy Spirit gently spoken over you that says, Ed, I love you. That's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Talked to Betty last night. She said the Holy Spirit had been speaking to her about his love for her and care for her and peace for her. Friends, you have a comforter inside of you. You have a comforter inside of you. He will comfort you. Call on his name, pray to him. The Spirit is a comforter that wants to help you and guide you and console you. Okay, that's definition. Number one. Second thing that I want to hit today is the Holy Spirit is a convincer. The Holy Spirit is a convincer. He convinces you and me and others about the truths of God. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me. For they don't know. Who, they don't know God who sent them. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me hates my father too. That's some tough stuff. But I will send you the counselor slash convincer, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will tell you all about me. And you must also tell others about me because you have been with me from the beginning. Now I find these two aspects of the Holy Spirit to be quite diverse. Generally, counselors aren't in your face with the truth. They persuade you. They lead you along. But he says here that he will will guide you into truth and he will help you with truth even when the world hates you. He will help you speak up to them about truth. The Holy Spirit is a convincer of truth. And Jesus just acknowledges that there's something about the quality of his truth that drives a dividing line in any crowd. Jesus often spoke to a divided room. Here's what I mean. If Jesus were in our room today, speaking physically, um, it is very possible that half of the room would be just crying. There's a phrase in Acts called cut to the heart. That what he said would so touch us. And move us. That our emotions would just have to come out. We would feel our hearts pounding. And there would be like. Almost like a physical heat. A fire coming from our hearts. Uh, in the utter holy presence of Jesus. We'd look at our lives and our shortcomings, and we would feel sorrow. Man, Jesus, you made me, and you've done all this for me, and I ignore you so often. And we'd have these kinds of thoughts of regret and remorse. Uh, we'd fall deep in love with Jesus. We, if if He asked us to give to some cause, man, we would just take out our wallets and just you know empty them out. Here, take it all. It's all yours. Thank you. We'd be totally mesmerized. And activated by his personhood, if he were physically speaking to us today, if Jesus of Nazareth were him. However, based on the reaction to Jesus in Scripture, there are half of us here who'd hate his message. We'd hate his message. Jesus always spoke to a divided room. Uh, we'd hate the way uh, he was talking about how hard our hearts were. Uh, now you may say, now Bruce, surely not us. We wouldn't be hating if Jesus were here. I hope, I hope I'm hope i on the right side of the 50, but I may not be because some days I'm not. Um, we get tired of him talking about money because he talked a lot about money and, and how selfish we were with it. He pointed that we, you're too selfish with your money. He, he preached that Good Samaritan story, you know, where the person of, of, Disrepute and unpopularity would, would be the hero of the story, and he'd just stick that thing in our face over and over and over. And like, Jesus, come on, man. Your sermon buddy. Come on, let's go. Um we would never drive past a person in need without doing something. Jesus, why do you keep putting that story in front of us? We we would never pass a person in need without stopping to help them. We get tired of that sermon. He'd keep harping on it. We'd be like, dude, let's move on. Something else. He could divide a crowd right in half. So how is it possible that in the same crowd that hears the exact same message, there are lovers of Jesus and haters of Jesus? It's the same words. The words are the same. It's one Jesus, one message. Why is the room divided? I'd suggest one half of the room is open to the convincing of the Holy Spirit and the other half is not. One half of the room is willing to be persuaded by the Holy Spirit that even though what you're saying is hard and it hurts me and I don't like it, but I know it's truth and you're Lord and I'm going to bow beneath it. See, it takes the Holy Spirit takes the things that your fleshly ears alone would reject and get angry about. But under the influence of the convincer, you begin to grasp the inner logic of the good news. So Jesus were to stand up and say to us today, you know, sometimes you let someone's race affect too much of your reactions, and your decisions. You say, would Jesus preach on that? Man, he did all the time. Jesus talked about race quite a bit. Well, how would we react? In your flesh, you might say, Jesus, no, I don't. I don't let race affect my decisions. Never has. I don't do that. But under the convincing of the Holy Spirit, you might be able to say with a heavy heart, yeah, I got to admit that. Sometimes that's happened. and I I don't want that to happen anymore, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help me. See, the Spirit puts humility in hearts full of pride. He's a convincer of the hard truths of life. Uh, To reapportion the esteemed Mary Poppins, the Holy Spirit is the spoonful of sugar that helps the medicine go down. Prop number two Who has pets in here? Who has dogs, cats? Okay. We have to feed them medicine every now and then, right? Anyone know who knows what these are? What are they?. Yeah. The truth is the medicine. Animals don't like medicine. Humans don't either, I've noticed. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> if see Preston up there, if Rudy needed medicine, you'd give him a pill, he could put his medicine in a pill pocket. The pill pocket would be the convincer to help the medicine get down. The Holy Spirit is your pill pocket for the stuff you don't want to hear about from God. And you let him work on your heart that way. Jesus said this, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and none of you has asked me where I'm going. Instead, you are very sad. But it is actually best for you that I go away because if I don't, the counselor or convincer won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Look at these three things the Holy Spirit does. He convinces the world of its sin, of God's righteousness and coming judgment. Who, what human wants to know that to be true? Why would you want to accept that? How could that possibly like, be good news for you if you just want to control your life and make your own decisions and not adjust your life in any way, shape, or form? You wouldn't. I mean, our physical presence in this room today must be this proof alone that there's a Holy Spirit because I don't even know how I would be here because I don't want to mess with any of that. I need the Holy Spirit to convince me that's true and right and I can be a part of that and I can accept that. Um, so cool. The Holy Spirit's job convinces us to realities: We're lost sinners. That's the tough part. But here's the great part. It's very comforting. God loves lost sinners. He looks for them and he transforms them from sinners to righteous ones. Isn't that good news? Amen. But you cannot have the one without the other. Jesus said this as he concluded this passage of John. Oh, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he's heard. It's a fascinating little phrase. Uh, we're in a world of opinion now where everyone can tweet out their opinion to the entire world. We present our own ideas. Isn't it annoying and so annoying, right? Twitter is terrible, just terrible. And yeah, hand me my smartphone so I can check see what's on it. Uh, And it it is, but it is, uh, we need something that's real, that's true, that transcends human opinion. He says, I can speak truth to you. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever he receives from me. How do we handle the unique challenges of our times? By the great gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a comforter inside of you. There's a convincer inside of you. Don't forget about it. Don't squelch him. Listen for him. Follow him. He will be your God for today and the future. Amen? Amen. Let's, uh, let's sing a word of praise to God now. Amy, if you can help me. Great. Someone has a question here. I'll start with this one. How do you begin to open your heart to receive the Holy Spirit? How do you begin to open your heart to receive the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit is a person. And with any person, if you're trying to develop a relationship with that person, you need to remove the things between you and that person. Right, if you have a, a grievance or a barrier, because you want to have a good relationship, you can't have a good relationship to, with that person if there's something between you. So in Scripture, the way that you get that is you. There's a great passage in Acts two. People were grieving in their hearts. Uh, they said, you know, what do we do? How, how do they asked basically the same question? What do we do? And uh, Peter told them to repent turn their life over to God um, to ask for his forgiveness to be baptized and they receive the the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't done that yet, I think that's a great first step. If you have been baptized and maybe that's something two years ago, you just thought, man, I'm just walking in coldness. I I don't feel the Spirit over my life. I think you need to pray to him. When's the last time you asked him into your life? Has it been a while? Have a real conversation. We need a real prayer. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I have not even thought of you. You're like my long lost relative who I have not even thought of. Please forgive me. I want to renew our relationship. Let's get going again. I think it's that simple. It's really great news. God is here and he wants to reestablish empathy. Does one need to be baptized to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? These are easy today. Okay. Uh, so, um, there are evidences in scripture of people where it's interesting. The Holy Spirit and baptism are uh, they're always around each other, but they're not always sequential. Uh, there's, there's a reception of it that can come uh, prior. There are times when people are baptized who don't receive the Holy Spirit because they weren't open to it yet. And so they needed to uh, receive that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so... Uh, I would say it's the normative way in which you receive the Holy Spirit is to be baptized. Uh, but I, I'm sure God is not restricted uh, to that. Um, wow, that's a great question. Is this church open every day? Because sometimes I want to go somewhere safe. How can I hear the voice of God? Uh, I don't think we're open every day. Um, if you... If you you need a safe place to go, I think there are people here who would be happy to help you with that. There are certain houses, uh, certain backyards you could go to to find a safe space. Uh, I've offered my backyard to people like that in the past. um, I I pray that can happen for you. How does the Holy Spirit work in us? Do we know, uh, I think we'd say, do we know the Holy Spirit versus Satan? In other words, how can I tell the thing that is, the voice in me is a satanic voice or a voice from God uh, this is a bad example uh, it may sound crass but it's a true example uh, as in someone told me this uh, so uh, I had a friend of mine who was in an unhappy marriage and he came to church and um, he saw someone else there who looked attractive to him and he reasoned Well, God doesn't want me to be unhappy. So it would be okay to start up a relationship with this person, even though I'm already married. They say that's kind of ridiculous, but it happened. Okay. And that was the reasoning behind it. Uh, The Holy Spirit will never tell you something that Jesus would disagree with. So this is why you need to know scripture. And and this is why they go, because the Holy Spirit can remind you of passages and he will, he will put information in your head. And so the Holy Spirit and Scripture go hand in hand in that regard. Um, One question, a little test I often give is, is this something God would say to me or something Satan would say to me? Now, you need to have an informed uh, morality. You need to have some knowledge of Scripture to answer that. Uh, but you need to, uh, I think you need to ask that question every now and then. Because not every impulse it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's the spirit of anger. And the spirit should lead you to those, those fruits uh, that are in, uh, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, patience, self-control. Very good. Those are our questions. Uh, prayers. And uh, so uh, if you stand for this prayer, it would be great. And then after the prayer, uh, we will close out.